2: i barely even need a coffee today i'm so fired up after drew picked winners and winners only wednesday yesterday welcome into bet the edge on this thursday we really appreciate all of you guys joining us on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. He's, of course, Drew Dinsick. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. And coming up today, there are so many ways to get involved in Championship Sunday. Drew and I are going to break down some unique markets that could be very profitable for betters this Sunday. And Tom Casale is here. He's going to break down Thursday night in college hoops and also shed some light on a value play for a team that you can get to make the final four at a juicy number right now. And I joke, but if you want our best looks and hopefully a winner's only Thursday here, you got to stick around at the very end to hear our edge of the day. Our best bets coming up here on Bet the Edge powered by points bet. It was fun yesterday. We had a good show, really good slate for you in the association. And now There's something we have to start with because we haven't had enough time to break down the Australian Open. And now we're all the way at the men's semifinals, which will be very late tonight, kind of tomorrow morning. Now, you have a future, as I know, and you vocalized on this show, Drew, on Medvedev, but... From an outsider looking in, how were you handicapping without your future coming into play? The Australian Open men's semifinals.
3: I'm concerned. <laughs> this is a tough one, really. Uh, you're not going to believe this. This is a tough one. Every time um,
2: Drew says it's a tough one, I'm <laughs> contemplating leaving the show. I'm leaving the show. He's going to go 30 minutes by himself.
3: At this point, I'm anti. You know, it's it's a reverse jinx thing. So yes, I got to keep it. Yes, it, up. it is. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it. Uh, the why I say that um, Medvedev has. A lot of people who watched tennis closely uh, you know everybody agreed. he was the rightful favorite after Djokovic was you know removed from the country and out of the draw here. and um, you know I don't think a lot of people expected to see him you know have any kind of difficulty but yet here he is coming off of a four set win against Maxime Cressy where he had to win you know he had to win a very difficult tie break to get the 2-0 lead uh, followed by a five set win against Felix Algier Al-Yassim, who he in general he had absolutely dominated. Uh, to that point in his career, and he had to come back from down zero two. He at points in that match he was in the ballpark of eight to one live to win, um, and so it was a very hard-fought match. And when you're playing in Australia, if you don't already realize it, it's summertime down in Melbourne, and it is hot <laughs> this week. Uh, in general, uh, heat and you know, kind of just your level of fitness matters a ton. Um, you know, for the Australian Open because of the conditions down there. And uh, so there's some real concern that uh, Medvedev's not going to be 100% physically for this match going up against Stefano Sissipas, who's coming in off of a three-set win in relative comfortable fashion over the peaking Yannick center. So, you know, there's definitely a case to be made for the underdog here. I'm going to stick with my guy Medvedev because I do like his career head-to-head against Stefanos. Medvedev has played Stefanos now six, uh, eight times. He is six and two. Stefanos's two wins, one where it was during the two tour finals on hard court, indoor hard court, when uh, you know Medvedev really wasn't in peak form. And the other was at Roland Garros on clay, uh, and realistically, Medvedev is by far his worst surface. So I will kind of excuse those two and point more towards the likes of the Australian Open semifinal last year where Medvedev got the best of Sipsipas 3-0. And, you know, I think this is going to be a closer match than the market makes the numbers. You know, As you're as you looking at the odds now on the screen, we're looking at minus 260 plus 200. Um, my fair price is actually like about minus 225 here for Medvedev plus 225 for Sipsipas. So I don't see value betting either side here. Uh, I think Medvedev ultimately gets through 3-1. and So would that uh, be your favorite uh,
2: way to bet this match? Y- in the
3: yeah, I, I think at this point, if, if you don't have anything at stake in terms of a futures position, uh, I would play the over in this match. I would play a th- th- correct score 3-1. Those are both uh, fun ways to attack this one because there's going to be some tiebreakers. Uh, both of these guys serves. Uh, are in form right now. They're clicking. Uh, It's going to be tough to see breaks here. This is going to come down to who has the mental fortitude to outlast the other, specifically in the tie breaks. So it's going to be a close call.
2: 88% of the handle coming in on Medvedev in this one, hence why it was minus 250 even a few minutes ago as we're live, pushing this to uh, a much bigger number, minus 264. But yeah, let's go to the the next semifinal match here. Nadal and Berrettini you talked about Nadal a little bit yesterday on Bet the Edge. He's minus 190 Matteo Berrettini plus 160. Yeah. What is your uh, what's your correct approach now one? how are you attacking this match?
3: So a couple things about Nadal that you need to know. In general, he does not perform at his peak level this time of year. He is coming into this tournament, however, having a nice long break where he really didn't play much of last fall at all. Didn't play the U.S. Open, didn't play the U.S. Swing, skipped the Tour Finals, all that stuff. So he was a little fresher than normal coming into this season, but he was recovering from a pretty bad injury. So, uh, you know, there was definitely questions swirling about his fitness. He doesn't play a warm-up match in general. Nadal does better at slams when he has a nice long warm-up to kind of really get his game into peak form. And in general, this he hasn't really had to come down a very difficult path here. We were expecting to see his biggest test come in the quarterfinals against uh, against Alexander Zverev, but Denis Shapovalov he upsets Zverev. We don't get to see Zverev versus Nadal, and instead Nadal. Uh, You know, gets by Shapovalov was Shapovalov basically had a mental meltdown in the first two sets. He was an absolute basket case. He was crying and complaining to the officials, calling people corrupt. It was an an embarrassment, honestly. And even with all of that, it took Nadal five sets to get through. And in those five sets, he lost nine pounds because of playing in the heat he had heat stroke during the match where they had to come out and bring him like an instant, like emergency I did treatment. See that. Um, mm-hmm. it was absolutely bananas that he was able to get through that, you know, and, and has the strength and stamina to even take the court today. Um, but he has had two days to regroup. So he should give us some sort of, a, um, you know, some sort of an honest effort here. Problem is, you don't want to go up against a player like Matteo Berrettini when you're coming off of a physical test like that because Berrettini is a robot. He is a very he's a metronome. He is consistent. He is not going to make errors. He's going to put pressure on Nadal to find winners. And I think realistically, that's ultimately going to be too tough for him. And the deeper we go into this match, the, the more the balance will tilt in favor of Berrettini. So I have to take a shot on the dog here. I think Berrettini comes through. He's the play on the money line for me at plus 160. Fair price for me on this one. Rafa Nadal, minus 140. Berrettini, plus 140. So happy to tap. That 20 cents in my pocket with Beratini.
2: Seeing this number shift even more, minus 190 earlier. Looking at minus 200 live, just because 76% of the handle coming in on Rafa Nadal. I'm with you. I'll take Berrettini. I've heard you talk about him quite a bit over the last year. Um, So I'll take Matteo Berrettini with you. It's just the second meeting between these two. Nadal beat Berrettini back in the U.S. Open in 2019 in straight sets. But for all the reasons you just mentioned, I'm with you with the plus money, plus 160 for later. Bet the Edge is expanding. Drew and I are now hosting Bet the Edge Game Time on Wednesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern to get you armed with all the last-minute insight, information, and trends you'll need to know to make your wagers before the games begin. In. So make sure to check us out on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel.
3: Yeah, and you know, as as Sarah mentioned, we only give out winners. Um, <laughs> it would have been it would have been rude for me yesterday to call for a winners only Wednesday and give out a loser, especially in my favorite sports. So it was uh, it was fun to have success last night. We had a really fun show in general. Uh, a lot of really great comments. I think I saw at least five people throw winners in the comments. So. You know, yeah, we sure it, appreciate
2: you know, that as well. With the winners and the comments, that was huge.
3: Absolutely, great, uh, great, great guests, and you know, and and really uh, great contributors there at the in the YouTube comments. So check us out live every Wednesday 6 p.m. Eastern. As we get close to tip off, we'll uh, cover the late breaking news. We'll cover the late breaking line moves, and we'll tell you everything you need to know to get involved.
2: Holt, great show yesterday, y'all. We appreciate you watching, and commenting, even on this one. Thank you for the live YouTube comment here and yesterday watching us. It was a lot of fun. But we don't just give out our plays on Wednesdays, we give them out today as well. And we have help with college hoops today. We welcome in Tom Casale to help us break down today's night's college basketball slate. Tom, how are we doing?
4: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
2: Um, As I look across the college basketball slate tonight, one that stood out that's out west here is at USC where Stanford Huge underdogs. That's the first one I know that we both had our eyes on. They're getting 11 now. And the reason this is so intriguing is because just a few weeks ago, Stanford actually took down USC, now getting 11 on the road. Total for this one's 140. Where are you leaning in this matchup for later tonight?
4: Yeah, so I'm probably going to be on an island here tonight. The This is a big <laughs> revenge spot for USC. But when I broke down the game, what I see is two teams evenly matched. USC lives on the offensive glass. I mean, that's really where they kill teams. Stanford is one of the only teams in the country that can match them size-wise. USC's third in height, Stanford's fourth in height. Stanford ranks top 20 in both offensive and defensive rebounding percentage. And we saw this in the first game. USC was held to a season low, four offensive rebounds. Stanford had 25 defensive rebounds, and that was the difference in the game. And the other thing I like here is that Stanford gets to the foul line a lot more than USC, but USC shot 11 more foul shots that first time. So you figure the rebounding numbers are going to, you know, come back a little bit towards USC. But I also think the foul shooting is going to go towards Stanford a little here. You know, it's, I know it's a good spot for USC, but I think the number's too high considering how well Stanford matches up with them. Now, you know, there's other factors besides rebounding and free-throw shooting. If uh, USC shoots 60% from the field, they're probably going to blow them out. But if they don't shoot well, I think Stanford is one of the few teams that can really battle them on the boards and keep this within 11 points.
3: Ooh, interesting. Uh, Bet count and the handle uh is on usc in this one so uh going a little bit of contrarian i like this uh curious uh what you make of another out west contest and this is probably if not the most exciting the second most exciting game on the board tonight in terms of just entertainment value uh we have byu heading to santa clara and you know there's been a little bit of buzz that the wcc may get three four teams into the mix this year it's been a high quality you know conference overall in terms of level of play and this is a tough matchup because uh, BYU comes in as a small favorite they've been dynamic on the road this season I mean they've been a covering machine and you know as I kind of look at these two teams matched up it's pretty clear BYU is in the mix several wins above the bubble here Santa Clara fighting for their lives to be included equal strength on offense Better defensive performances so far out of BYU. Is that basically the distinguishing characteristic here to get involved back in the Cougars? Yeah, I think so. You know, this is this
4: is going to be a tough game. It's a big game for Santa Clara. For me, Santa Clara is a little bit overrated and overvalued. They're a nice team, but they're two and seven against the Ken Palm top t- uh, one twenty five. Their their last w- two wins were in November. You know, the the last four games they've played against tough teams, they've lost by eight points or more. So yeah, they're a nice team. But to me, BYU is a sweet 16 or or better caliber team. I really like BYU and the way they play. And if you look at this game, Santa Clara shoots well from three. They're 27th in three-point percentage. BYU guards the perimeter as well as any team in college basketball, 11th in three-point defense, allowing 28% from beyond the arc. So I think the way they guard the perimeter is really going to be an edge for the Cougars here. The other thing, too, is they're kind of polar opposites on the boards. Santa Clara is a big team, but they don't rebound particularly well. They're ranked 300th in offensive rebounding percentage. BYU, not as big, really hits the boards well, ranking top 50 in both offensive and defensive rebounding percentage. So when you look at this, you know, it's going to be – a competitive game but I look at BYU and I see better defense I see better rebounding and I see a deeper team so I think they pull away here in the second half and they cover the number
2: now I know you got involved a little bit earlier in the money line now all the way out to minus 150 Mm -hmm. I also like BYU laying the three now here's a game that I like to bet games that I'm going to watch, right? Even if there's not the most value, I'll sprinkle a little. And this is a game that I truly don't have a read on, but I'm super excited to watch number six ranked Purdue Boilmakers playing Iowa on the road. They're laying two on the road here. Totals 154. Um, And like I said, this is tough. It's a tough spot for Purdue. It's a tougher place to play in Iowa. They're laying two on the road. Do you have any feel on this game and how it's going to break down tonight?
4: Yeah, I'm not going to bet this game because I don't think we're getting enough value with Iowa. I know Purdue hasn't been as good on the road. These two teams are very similar. They have big front lines. They're going to run. They're going to play a fast pace. You know, Iowa was competitive with Purdue in the first meeting without their best player, Keegan Murray. And the Hawkeyes are much tougher at home than on the road. So I can understand backing them tonight. But for me, yeah, it's just two points isn't enough value. This is going to be a close game, I think. And I just think Purdue's the more talented team. And I understand, yes, Iowa's going to give Purdue's weakness is transition defense. They don't get back well. Teams that push the ball do well against them. But where Purdue is strong is transition offense. And that's where Iowa has some issues, too. you got those twin towers down low. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I would lean Purdue. I just don't think there's enough value. I would look at Iowa if they were four or five, but two, not enough
3: for me to jump in. Man, I really have been a little out of touch with Big Ten basketball this year. Last year, all anyone could talk about was how great the Big Ten was heading into the tournament, and they disappointed so substantially. I just kind of haven't really been, uh, you know, paying as much attention, but Purdue really looking very, very solid as we head into this, uh, you know, the, the the business end of the college basketball season. Um, anyone else worth paying attention to in the Big Ten as we kind of look at the, at the futures market here with, uh, you know, plenty of time left to play before we get into the uh, final picture?
4: So there's a team I think has a little bit of value. They were when I wrote my article this week, uh, ten to one to reach the final four. It, it, it's not going to make sense right now because they just lost a bad game. Uh, it's Michigan State, right? But for me, the the biggest mistake people make with betting college basketball futures is they care about what's going on right now. Listen, I have Auburn seventy to one. Everyone knows it because I mention it <laughs> every five minutes, right? I'm taking victory laps. I'm blowing kisses to everybody. <laughs> Bottom line, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter till we get, yes, you want to have 70 to one with the number one team in the country. That's great value. But we don't know how this is going to play out until we see the matchups in March. And when you look at Michigan State, Tom Izzo, there's not really much in between with him. He, His teams either get bounced early or they make deep runs. And I'm looking at this team, and this is the kind of team he usually makes a run with. They're a rugged, strong rebounding team. They can bully other teams down low. You know, I think they're a solid Sweet 16 team. So you say, well, why would you bet them to go to the Final Four? Well, who are they playing in the Sweet 16? Are they playing um, Auburn or are they playing Chattanooga? You know, we we don't know how that's going to, you know, I'll give you a perfect example last year. If you said to me as a Syracuse guy, give me two teams you'd want the Orange to play. If you could go in a lab, I couldn't create a better team than San Diego State. Then they play West Virginia, another team they match up well against. Next thing you know, Syracuse is in the Sweet 16. They got momentum going. So that's why I like Michigan State. Listen, they're not going to play Illinois in the first two rounds of the the NCAA tournament. They're going to play teams where I think they're going to match up well against. They're going to dominate the boards on these teams. And I think there's one of those teams that's kind of going below the radar a little bit. And listen, I'll tell you right now, if you can't rebound, you're you're going to have a lot of trouble against Michigan State. You can ask Wisconsin. They got destroyed on the boards by this team. So I think they're an interesting team to look at once the brackets come out in the NCAA tournament.
3: Okay. Well, if you got 10 to one, markets already with you, even after that loss to Illinois, uh, moved down to nine to one currently. Um, probably a four seed?
4: Yeah. Right now, I would say yes. And, okay. you know, that's what you're looking at a four or five seed who gets a couple decent matchups and can make a nice run to the Elite Eight Final okay. Four.
3: So you're right. basically, you're basically, you're nine to one that they upset the one in their bracket. And then something else happens. You know, the other side of the bracket goes a little wild, gets a little wild. And, and I worst, say, ca- yeah, worst, yeah, worst case I scenario, say they got to beat the two, they got to beat the one in their own bracket.
4: Yeah. Right. I will say this: it's going to be a crazy tournament. The there's no uh. Gonzaga, Baylor like we had last year it, that were you you kind of knew all season they were on a collision course to the finals. You know, listen. As much as I love Auburn, as much as you know, I like Kentucky. Those teams can get beaten by pretty much anybody in the tournament. It's going to be, I'll I'll tell you what, if you like betting underdogs, I think this is going to be your tournament. There's going to be a lot of close games. There's going to be upsets. There's going to be a lot of craziness in the brackets.
2: It's my kind of bracket to get involved in. I'm really looking forward (laughs) to March already. Kind of want to fast forward, but um, Kentucky right now, to make the final four. Then Auburn, Purdue, and Arizona taking a lot of action over at points, bet those are the four teams to make the final four. This guy's taking victory laps already on Auburn. He's taking victory laps on Jamar Chase. And for that, <laughs> we will not forgive you, especially for the Jamar Chase one. And Tom, I got the
4: Niners to win the Super Bowl. And the Niners.
2: To Whatever,
4: Tom. Well, they almost did. They almost did. Yeah. Oh, well, I know <laughs> you got the Rams. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you must not have heard this is a Rams-only sponsor. Yeah, I
4: know. But, I, I need <laughs> a, I, I need a, a, a Boza MVP performance on Sunday that's what that's the recipe to get there for me Tom is
2: on Twitter if you're not following him already and all of his amazing plays he puts out there that I envy at Tom Casale you can get all of his college hoops previews not only tonight but for the entirety of the weekend on NBCSportsEdge.com Tom thanks so much
0: thanks for having me
2: The NFL playoffs are here, and NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. Get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use the promo code PLAYOFF15. Get every tool for every game at one low price. It is easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have NBC Sports Edge Plus. Now, playoffs are here. Later today, we have blitzing the board at 3 p.m. We're going to mm-hmm. break down these games in depth. But let's talk about Championship Sunday, not just the lines, because they are very, um, what's the word I want to use? They are tight. It is hard to find an edge on the side <laughs> or You're, the total Are you here. saying that, the,
3: that it looks like a tough card? If someone's going like to it's a tough think. card,
2: if someone's going to come to me and say <laughs> there's a ton of value on either side with the seven or the three, three and a half, like, no, there's not. Unless you have the best model of all time, it is so tough to make a case for just the side on this. Um, but certainly there are other ways to get involved that I feel more confident and fun ways to look at things. And that's where I want to go. It's different prop markets, points, but has up, true. And let's start with Sunday and the passing leader market. This one's fun. Right now I'm looking at Mahomes plus 180, Joe Burrow plus 180, Matt Stafford plus 250, and then Jimmy Garoppolo plus 575. Passing leader, come championship Sunday. Do any of these intrigue you?
3: I gotta go very, very boring here and tell you the right, the right, <laughs> the right choice here is Mahomes. Yeah. Staff- yeah, yeah, I mean, Stafford and Garoppolo are gonna, you know, that's gonna be a lower scoring game. It's gonna be a more of a rock fight. Two very familiar foes and, and defenses that have decent advantages. So uh, I think it's almost certainly gonna come from your Cincinnati KC matchup. And honestly, the way that Kansas City tends to put away their wins with passing I think leans into Mahomes being the correct choice and of course you know there's a realistic possibility that if the Cincinnati Bengals take a lead in this game Mahomes is just going to absolutely open up this offense and it's all going to be on his arm uh since you know if uh if Kansas City looks to go to the Super Bowl I think Mahomes gets uh 350 plus passing yards so he should be the guy
2: yeah it is ironic I said the lines are so firm but if there was one that stands out and I know we'll get into this game later it's probably the Chiefs with the seven in my opinion um January 8th against the Broncos, 270 yards versus Steelers, 404 yards. And the Bills, 378 yards. Yes, of course, there was overtime. Patrick Mahomes is the play for me looking at the numbers right now, plus 180. They're going to throw the ball and attack this defense. So um, definitely Mahomes, plus 180, my favorite look. The most bet right now, by the way, Joe Burrow, though. People love Joe Burrow, and I understand it, and they think if they're in comeback mode, he's going to have to throw the ball. So that's another look I know people are all over. But we side the same here with Patrick Mahomes. Let's go to championship Sunday. The receiving leader, Cooper Cup, is plus 220. Jamar Chase, plus 450. You can go to Travis Kelsey, 7-1. to OBJ, 15-1. to Out of all of these receivers, who will be the receiving leader come Sunday through?
3: toss up for me between Hill and Kelsey. I'm going to go Kelsey cuz the price is a little better at 7 to 1. Really the Cincinnati Bengals do not defend tight ends well. He should have somewhere in the ballpark of 10 rex for 120 yards on Sunday and uh again in the same sentiment if when the Chiefs are trying to put away this game, uh it's going to be Mahomes scrambles and it's going to be uh over the middle pitch and catch to Travis Kelsey.
2: I think Travis Kelsey as well. I would take Hill or Kelsey because we both have Patrick Mahomes. We're going to take a player, (laughs) uh, obviously, on the
3: Chiefs here as well. Are we we in same-game parlay territory? Oh, Obviously, there's going to be same-game parlay
2: for me on Sunday. There's only two games. i got to work with what I can get. But if you just look at what Travis Kelsey has done, obviously, throughout the season, but even over the last few weeks, favorite target for a reason. And we saw the comeback play that he almost came up with um, in their comeback. Steelers 108 yards against the Bills. I know over time, I keep saying that 96 yards, eight receptions in that game. I will take Travis Kelsey here as well. When we have Patrick Mahomes with one of the pass our passing leader bet for Sunday. Um, One more here. Let's take a look. We have the rushing leader. This one is a different story. We have Elijah Mitchell, Two to one, Joe Mixon plus 275, Cam Akers plus 300, Debo Samuel I talked about yesterday plus 525. What do you got?
3: It's funny. It's almost like we rehearsed this because we're on the same page ex- to this point. Exactly. Um, and I don't know where you're going with this one. Um, but before I answer, do you I'll tell you know- who I'm not
2: going with, Cam Akers. It's an absolute well, off my
3: off. Card. Yeah. Not, oh, I completely agree with you. Uh, off the top of your head, who was the rushing leader last week?
2: Who was it, McKinnon? Who was it?
3: It was Patrick Mahomes. He was 69 yards rushing. You want to know who number two was? Josh Allen with 68. Those two guys, those two quarterbacks. Josh Allen rushing yards over the last three weeks. Why didn't I just
2: hammer that? 25 to 1, Patrick Mahomes, by the way, rushing leader for Sunday.
3: Incredible, incredible. So yeah, I think Michelle's not a crazy look at sixteen to one. He may get the balance of the work for the Rams going up against the Niners. And realistically, I think a lot of the plan A really kind of uh, you know how the Rams are going to try to beat the uh, what the Niners do well with their defensive line and their pass rush is going to be trying to get Michelle involved. And he's got some fresh legs. Sixteen to ones, you know, he, he's he's wa- he's not a great player. He's not my guy. I'm not going to war with Sonny Michelle. But uh, at sixteen, sounds to like one, he's your I, MVP. I, at sixteen to one, I don't I don't mind it.
2: Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is a really interesting look now that you brought that up um, for 25 to one. He certainly used is his Is that what his was price off. is, 25 to one? 25 to one. 69 ah, rushing yards man. on seven scrambles last week. First, the Bills, as you just reminded me, he was the rushing leader. Ooh, that's tough. I might get involved in that, but that's a lot of Patrick Mahomes.
3: Chiefs, 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 yeah.
2: You know, I think I'm going to take Debo Samuel at plus 525 for the reasons I mentioned yesterday. He really needs to break Mm. one or two big ones to have this happen. But because I think they're going to rely on the run, as you said, two familiar teams facing off, and they know the key to victory is probably in Debo. I think plus 525 is my favorite look, but I mentioned Cam Akers and why I'm staying away. That was an interesting one. I was looking this morning, some of the props. I actually might play the under on Cam Akers. I can't imagine they're running Cam Akers into one of the best 49ers defense against the run. He was averaging under three yards per carry to finish the season on average. Obviously he missed a lot of time, but just for those reasons, I'm out on Cam Akers three to one. I think Debo 525, and I love your Mahomes look. 25 to 1. Guys, we have much more on the AFC and NFC championships with Warren Sharp, myself, and, of course, Drew Dinsick later on Blitzing the Board, 3 p.m. Eastern on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. And if you're not able to catch us live, totally okay. The show's going to re-air on Peacock throughout the weekend before kickoff on Sunday. Get back to the NFL later today on that show, but... It's NBA time, Drew. It is your time to shine. Edge of the day. Best bet. I'm curious to hear where you're going tonight.
3: Yeah, it's been a great, uh it's been a great month uh at the end of a great season. Such a humble uh, way to say it it's been it's been spectacular and there's only two cards on the board and neither one really sings to me um the only edge i could really find i am shorter than uh the current market price of plus six on the minnesota timberwolves today against golden state warriors what matters is player availability here draymond green absent for golden state uh, really have not gotten the best of clay thompson yet in his return from his injuries Uh, And, uh, you know, so the defensive questions are there for how Golden State performs in this one. I am very, very hopeful that Pat Beverly goes for the Timberwolves. I don't know that anyone would know this off the top of their head, but Pat Beverly has been the best defensive guard in the NBA this season, and it's not close. He is a Huge plus defender for this team, and he's a huge part of their success putting themselves into the playoff mix so far this season. Uh, I think the, you know, the Timberwolves, uh, a lot more at stake for them in this game. I think we get an honest effort out of this team, and uh, I think they keep it within possession or two. If the Timberwolves have a decent lead at halftime, you know what we're going to do. We are playing the Warriors third quarter because they always tend to shine. Um, But uh, ultimately, I think this is a very closely contested game that comes down to the end. And uh, hopefully Pat Beverly is available because we need him on the perimeter to continue to limit Steph Curry.
2: All right, let's pray for Pat to take the court tonight. Pat Bev, hopefully, coming out. You don't have to tell me to tail you on any of your NBA plays. I will gladly take the T-Wolves plus six. What about the Lakers, though, playing the 76ers? Are you sure you don't want to dabble in that game, True?
3: I'm sure. <laughs> I don't the, the the who the did you see the Lakers? There's a team called the Lakers. Not familiar with them.
2: We don't bet the Lakers on this show. It's a rule. And if you <laughs> didn't know that, now you know. We don't Never we don't dabble in that. All right, let's get to my edge of the day. My favorite play right now is going back to the forty nine ers game. Saw this Ooh. number earlier this morning, and I'm taking a look at George Kittle. Yesterday, I mentioned Debo Samuel, and George Kittle again has to do with how I think this game's playing out. Right now on points PointsBet, you could find his uh, reception prop right now at four and a half receptions. I'm taking the over here for quite a few reasons. He had five receptions in each of his last two games versus the Rams this season, but just look at his history and what he's done against the Rams in his career. In his last seven versus Los Angeles, he's had five or more receptions in all seven of those games, coming off a four-catch performance against the Packers, but he's been so involved in the game as a blocker lately, and I do think he's going to have to do that for Jimmy G to have time to throw on Sunday. But also Debo Samuel, he's going to have such a high share, both obviously running and getting his targets. Eventually, they're going to have to look to the best, most consistent, I guess, easy receiver tight end available and that's going to be george kittle i gladly will take the over here i think he's going to need to be a big part of the offense obviously it's worked before in finding all of the wins against the rams in his career and i do think jimmy g is going to rely on him a ton so i will gladly take even look. i didn't like his receiving yards a little bit high sitting in the 50s mid 50s now but i do like going over four and a half receptions for george kittle
3: i think you found the best, best prop available for all of sunday um oh! He, I mean uh, Jimmy G. They've set, they've simplified the playbook. They they're playing to what he can do, and that is the uh, pitch and catch over the middle. Uh, and there's, I mean, Kittle's going to get eight targets. He just needs to catch five of them.
2: Right. I think he's averaging seven. I want to say is what I saw earlier. He seven targets per game in the last two versus the Rams. So hopefully he gets the eight targets, gets five catches and we cash the over, and then you know what? The Rams can win, and we could just play it out like that. I'll just say it. The jig is up. George Kittle, five catches, <laughs> book it. That's all, that's all we have today on Bet the Edge, powered by points bet for Drew Dinsick, and all of us here with NBC Sports Edge. We appreciate you guys tuning in each and every day. I'm Sarah Perlman, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern.